Want more flexibility with your budget and life? Learn how mastering your cash flow brings you closer to financial freedom. Welcome to Simplify and Enjoy, the podcast and community focused on helping families have less stress and more options through minimalism and financial independence. I'm your host, El Martinez. This podcast is sponsored by Coastal Credit Union. Coastal's mission is to help you live a better life by offering you a better way to bank. Find out how at bankbetter.org. It can be a challenge to break out of living from paycheck to paycheck. One recent survey found that 64% of Americans are stuck in that cycle. That's an increase of nine and a half million compared to 2021. You might be thinking this is because of their income. And for sure, that is a major issue for millions. But your income is only part of the equation. Fortune reported over half of Americans earning $100,000 or more are also stuck in this paycheck-to-paycheck cycle. Again, there are various reasons why people are struggling, even with a healthy income. And we're going to cover quite a few of them here in future episodes. The factor we're going to talk about today is prioritizing your spending and staying on top of your cash flow. Whether you are pursuing financial independence or something in a more traditional time frame, you need to master your cash flow. It doesn't sound exciting, but it is crucial. When you have a gap between what you're spending and what you're earning while still enjoying your life, you're giving yourself more flexibility and options with your budget and schedule. But it's not automatic. It's a skill that you have to learn. That's why I'm happy to have Cody Berman on today's show. He's the co-founder of the Financial Independence Show and co-founder of Gold City Ventures. In this episode, we'll cover why financial independence is more than just leaving the rat race, how diversifying your income and mastering your cash flow are crucial to giving you leverage with negotiating with work and margin in your life, and why Cody is focused on cash flow phi versus waiting to hit a more traditional phi number. Let's get started. had a tweet about this and it really speaks about FI can be so much more than escaping a job you don't like, which I can appreciate. No one wants to be somewhere where they're overworked and underappreciated. But you were talking about how FI has opened up options for you. And I was curious about that. Have you always saw financial independence or fire in that light? Or was that something that you kind of developed and evolved? So rewind to when I found out about FIRE, financial independence. I was actually 19. So I was really, really lucky that I discovered it so early. But my plan was I was 22. I got a job in commercial real estate lending. I was making good money. My plan was at the time I was going to work for seven years, which I kind of calculated it out, knew what peers were making. And I was like, I can hit my you know FI number using the 25X, the 4% rule, all that stuff in about seven years. So I'm like, I'm just going to grind it out. I'm going to hit my FI number. Then I'm going to quit. Shortly after that, I started to, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not happy in this job. I'm looking at my peers. I'm looking at my boss. I don't want to be in that position even three years from now. So I started building out like passive income vehicles or at least residual mm-hmm. income vehicles on the side, things where I didn't have to trade my time for money on a linear basis. 
And that's kind of when everything shifted for me. I kind of took a more what I call cash flow fi, cash flow financial independence approach, rather than I'm going to put my nose to the grindstone until I hit this magical fi number. And then like everything changes, which we both know that's just not the case. That's so true. I was amazed when I read that about you was 19 when you discovered five, which is a great starting point because you have so many options ahead of you. First of all, how did you get introduced to that? I know you've mentioned your parents, you grew up middle class and they taught you about finances. Were they introducing that concept to you or was that something that came later? I was lucky and then my parents talked about saving. They were like, my mom was a coupon cutter. Like we were doing all the saving things, but I never had heard about this early retirement or investing or your money, making Mm -hmm. you more money. It was mostly just, hey, Cody, don't spend all the money you're earning. That was like the lessons I got from my parents. Again, I was really fortunate to have those lessons, but it wasn't like, hey, if you do this and invest in index funds, you can retire by 30. I didn't get any of that. It was actually, my mom had shared an article from Mr. Money Mustache shortly after I had read the four-hour work week by Tim Ferriss. Again, I was 19 years old and we kind of both went down the rabbit hole at the same time. It wasn't like she was, you know, all part of this community. She just shared this interesting article with me and she knew that I was like a numbers guy. I always had like an Mm -hmm. inclination toward math and money. We just kind of both dove in together and it's been really fun to kind of go with her alongside her on this journey to financial independence. And again, we're learning hand in hand. I appreciate that because we're parents. Our kids are young. They see, you know, what I'm doing. So they have questions naturally. But I feel like sometimes parents are afraid to Mm. expose that they don't know something. And so that is really fantastic. One, that your parents taught you the foundations of saving and making sure you don't spend everything you earn. But two, being just willing to say, hey, I saw something interesting. I don't know everything about it. I'd love to maybe try this out, pursue it and learn about it. So that is fantastic. So you said Mr. Money Mustache. I know Tim Ferriss, I read that too years ago. and. I loved it from a standpoint of the flexibility that it offered. For you, was that the draw with financial independence or was it something at like, hey, I can have all this money and, and quit my, you know, nine to five working career? What was the main motivation? I think freedom was the main thing for me. I just okay. wanted the freedom to do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, with whoever I wanted. It honestly, like I talk about discovering this all at 19, but when you read stuff online, a lot of the stuff you read online is BS. Like you can't just believe everything you see. So I was super skeptical actually for the first couple of years. And it wasn't until early 2018 when I went to my first like event and met other real people, not just people typing on the internet that had retired when they were like 28, 30, 35, 40. It was insane. And they were just normal people who had invested in index funds, bought real estate, done all these cool things and retired at a super early age. So that was another crucial point in my journey was like, okay, I learned all the tactical stuff. I listened to the podcast. I watched the YouTube videos. I read the books. But until you like really shake hands with someone or have a real conversation with someone who's done it and kind of forged that path for you to show you that it's possible, it doesn't quite feel possible, even though you have all the knowledge from all those sources I just mentioned. Speaking of tactics, I kind of want to break that down because of course, there's different paths to FI. And like you mentioned, there's also different flavors. Like we're a Coast 5 family. We were happy when we hit that milestone. There are basically two main levers, right? You're watching your spending, but then also you're trying to grow that your income. So that gap is as big as it can be. For you, what was the first step and what was the hardest one between the two? I think I was really fortunate that I got into this so early. So I never really had that lifestyle inflation early on. 
okay. got out of college, 22. I'm living like a college kid. Like I was sharing, I joke about this all the time. I was sharing a house with seven guys. It was a four or five bedroom house with one bathroom. Like that was my living situation <laughs> coming out of college. I did not have a high standard of living whatsoever. So it really wasn't hard for me to really tighten my belt and keep those expenses as low as possible for the following couple of years from like 22 to 25. I was super frugal. Like I was never spending more than $1,500 in a month just because I had all those expenses so tight. My housing was super cheap. I was driving the same car. I wasn't spending a lot of money going out to eat. I wasn't spending a ton of money on entertainment. I was travel hacking so that I didn't have to spend a lot of money on travel. And so that was really crucial from the expense side of things. And again, I was lucky that I didn't already have that lifestyle inflation. It wasn't like I was you know, 45 with two houses and a couple of cars already. Yeah. And then I had to scale that all back. I did spend a lot of time focusing on the income side of things and mm -hmm. figuring out passive income and how to buy income producing assets and all that stuff. That was like a huge yeah. learning curve for me because all the role models in my life up to that point, like all the quote unquote rich people that, you know, I thought like my cousins who were lawyers, I knew some people who were doctors, they were all trading their time for money though. So like if they stopped mm -hmm. working and took a vacation, they're no longer earning a paycheck. Once I started to discover these people, like the ones I met at this event in early 2018, who didn't have to trade their time to earn money because they had already invested in income producing assets, it's just like a light switch went off my head. And I'm like, okay, I need to do that. I think that's something that's overlooked, but especially we have a lot of parents and they're looking at how can I increase my income, whether that's a side hustle or producing something that they can sell online. How can they find, because not, you know, not all passive income streams are created equal. There are some that you have to do a lot of investment up front. Say you're creating a project or a course, and then hopefully that takes off. But then there's others where you're just, it's not much better than trading your time for money. You really have to weigh that. For you, how did you decide strategically, okay, this is what the things I wanted to pursue. I know you were a little more flexible, maybe compared to some people listening right now because you were single, young, didn't have the lifestyle inflation. But how did you come up with the choices of, hey, I want to try this passive income stream out? So I just quickly want to say, I know I was just talking mm -hmm. about my own personal experience, my own journey. I think for the average person who's already like really set in, they already have a career and like maybe they don't have time for side hustles because they have kids they're taking care of. I think tracking your expenses and then maybe knocking down some of those extraneous expenses is probably the fastest way and the easiest way when you're just getting started to increase the gap between your income and your expenses. So if you just start to track, you're like, oh my God, I'm spending $1,500 a month on groceries. Maybe you can scale that back and be a little bit more intentional about what you're buying. Or maybe you can take a few less trips, or maybe you can do a few less entertainment things, or maybe you can get rid of that second car yeah. that sits in the driveway 98% of the time. I know for my mm -hmm. situation, we had the expenses reined in, but I think that's probably the easiest first step for people looking to just basically widen that gap between what they're mm -hmm. making and what they're spending. Now, for me, with the kind of passive income stuff, I had no idea what I was doing first got started, quite honestly. Like, I have probably mm -hmm. sunsetted 20 plus different income streams or side hustles mm -hmm. since I started my financial independence journey. It was just a game of throwing darts and seeing what stuck to the wall. So, I mean, I yeah. used to do all these different sorts of things like freelance writing, podcast editing, video editing, building websites, doing copywriting, doing email marketing, affiliate marketing, all this random stuff that I've since don't do anymore. But all of those were crucial in figuring out what I'm doing today. I gained skills. Yeah. I figured out I didn't want to do those things. And so I think for someone who's looking for like the next income stream, if you do want to go that mm -hmm. route, here's another caveat. If you can get 
more money in your career and you don't have the bandwidth for an income stream and all it takes is you having one hard conversation with your boss to earn an extra 10,000, that might be better than you going and signing up for Postmates or for Uber Eats or like some one of these other side hustle services. Like that might be the option for you. But yeah, for me, it was just like trying as many things as possible, seeing what I liked, gaining new Mm -hmm. skills and then cutting out as after I've had them for a few months, cutting out the ones that didn't work for me. I think that's important experimentation because a lot of times you worry like, oh, I want this to take off. But there is, like you mentioned, there's a value discovering what you don't want to do. Kind of going back to some people are so eager to quit their jobs, but they don't have something lined up. This is a way for you to experiment. Hey, in my mind, I think I want to do this, but can I really enjoy this? Is this a sustainable way to live? I think is great. And then of course, you were mentioning watching your expenses. I think, again, that's low hanging fruit. But looking at these different options, I know you mentioned some really good resources and you mentioned some side hustles yourself. Where Are there any that you would recommend people avoid? Let's just say like you thought, you know what, the hype was there and there was absolutely nothing of value. I think it's a case by case thing. I don't think there's any side hustles that are like, this is just a terrible side hustle. Like if you're someone who, let's use online surveys as an example, like you don't make much money, but if you're someone who enjoys filling out surveys and you're going to spend your time filling out surveys like while you're watching a TV show, whereas before maybe you're scrolling on Instagram or Twitter or TikTok and you can make an extra five bucks, then my God, go and do that. Like it's not a great ROI, but it's better than nothing. And if you enjoy filling out these surveys, go for it. Some people Mm -hmm. like doing certain things. Other people like doing other things. You just kind of have to test different side hustles. Now, what I will say is that Mm -hmm. not all side hustles are created equal. If you're someone who you want to create a passive income stream, like you want to earn 500 bucks a month without having to trade your time for it, you're not going to get that driving for Uber. You're not going to get that delivering on Instacart. You're not going to get that doing podcast editing. But if you're building something that is scalable, that maybe you can make money on it even while you're sleeping or even while you're traveling or even while you're not working on it, you want to start to look into more scalable things like you know, selling digital products or maybe that's an ebook. Maybe that's a course. Maybe that's buying real estate. Maybe that's investing in index funds. These are all things where you're putting your time, energy, money into it at the beginning, and then you're getting like residual profits from those things down the road. Again, does it totally depends on what you want to do. If you want to mm-hmm. drive for Uber, go for it. Do it. I'm not, I'm not telling you that you don't have to, but you know, if all of a sudden you don't drive for Uber, you're no longer making money from that side hustle. So if you're someone who, like me, wanted to make money without having to trade my time for money, you should probably look into more of these scalable, quote unquote, passive income side hustles. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you mentioned why. Mm. I think if there's a skill that you need to have is it's tracking your numbers with not just financial independence, but financial freedom, whatever you're pursuing, because it's easier when you can see in front of you, what do I need to work on? Like you mentioned that return on investment. It could be financially, it's, it's okay. But like you mentioned with the Uber drivers or Lyft drivers, Some people enjoy the social interaction. So they're getting paid to do something that they enjoy. They get to see the city. So you got to factor that in. But since we're talking about numbers, I'm going to ask about this, which is everybody wants to know, how do you figure out what your FI number is? And when did you decide that this amount is what I need to maybe take the next leap of faith or the next step in my path towards financial independence? 
So real quick before I answer that, mm-hmm. I want to lay out the two traditional ways to hit financial independence. I mentioned one mm-hmm. earlier, but I didn't really give a real definition. So there's cash flow financial independence, which is the passive cash flow that you're making every month is covering your expenses. And there's the traditional, what I call the nest egg method to financial independence. So many of your listeners probably know, but I'll just quickly reiterate, like the mm-hmm. traditional calculation for most people for financial independence is you save up 25x your annual expenses. So if you're spending $40,000 a year, you need a million dollars invested in the stock market, for example. And you know, by the 4% rule, won't get into that whole study. By the 4% rule, you're pretty much set for the rest of your life. You need that million dollars invested, you're good. But what I discovered and what I liked better was this kind of cash flow method to financial independence. So people who are in the real estate community didn't know this. People who are selling more passive digital products know this. Once you can get to a point where these income producing assets are surpassing your monthly expenses, you are also cash flow financially independent, even if you don't have that million dollars saved up. So if I'm spending $5,000 a month, or let's use the other example is $40,000 a year, which is testing my month of math. Is that like $3,300 a month? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. If So if I'm spending $3,300 a month and I have enough passive cash flow, and I know people always come after me for this, like that's not real estate isn't passive income, digital products isn't passive income. But if you can work for like less than an hour a day and cover your expenses, that's pretty passive to me. Passive enough, I'll say. It's passive enough. Passive is you know active income versus passive income. It's kind of a sliding scale. It's not like a black or white thing. But mm-hmm. what I was saying was with cash flow financial independence, if you can start to buy or create these income producing assets that are going to cover your expenses, if you work very, very little or not at all on them, then you're financially independent. So like that's kind of the, again, the, the two routes. I just wanted to quickly define those. But for me, I just saw that this cash flow financial independence route was so much faster. So that's why I started you know buying investment properties. I started investing in uh, buying Airbnbs. I started building digital products like printables and courses and yeah. eBooks. And now like I can literally work for two hours a week and make enough money to support me fully. And you know that, that's financial independence in a nutshell, even though I don't have like the, the 25X my annual expenses invested in the stock market at this point. So if you're someone who like, oh, you know, I only have seven more years until I hit that magic fine number. Maybe it's 1 million, maybe it's 1.5 million in the stock market for you. The faster method is going through this cash flow financial independence route and starting to build or create these income producing assets. I do appreciate that because I think that's over, also overlooked. But Mm. for you about the after, like after you hit it, you're like, yeah, I knew it was time. But was there any hesitation? Were you worried about, okay, because there's a difference between I have a paycheck, maybe it's a job I'm not crazy about, but at least I know I have this paycheck and I'm making extra money on the side versus everything's coming from these income streams. Was there a moment of hesitation? How did you feel? And how did you know, okay, I really do need to make this transition? To be honest, it was scary at every point throughout the journey. And I'm very fortunate to be where I'm at today. But like when I quit that corporate job, I was actually, I don't think I mentioned this before, I was in that corporate job for seven months. And then I quit and went full entrepreneurship. I was only making like twelve to $1,500 at that time in entrepreneurship. So it was a really, really scary leap for me. But at the time, you know, I was spending 40 to 60 hours a week at my day job. I was like, if I can utilize all this time, all this energy into the side hustles, into the businesses I'm trying to build. Hopefully I can out earn that 12 to 1500 that I was earning at the time. So that was yeah. huge for me. It was like gaining all that time back. And I love, I love that you mentioned this. It's like trying to build that dream life alongside your day job. You don't have to just, after you listen to this, you don't have to just like put in your two weeks notice, become an entrepreneur and like hope that everything works out. Like start to build those income streams on the side. 
using your day job to fund them. I mean, if you have a day job and you have that really consistent paycheck day or week in and week out, then you can start to fund those businesses. You can fund that side hustle. You can like spend money on different things for those businesses to grow them on the side alongside that day job. Or if you're someone who wants to invest in real estate, it's a lot easier to invest in real estate if you have a traditional employer because banks love to see that W-2 incomes. That was something that was really crucial for me was like, you know, it was only seven months, but I had saved up almost $50,000 at that point because I was saving 90 plus percent of my income, living extremely frugally making a lot of money in commercial real estate lending. I don't think I would have been able to, quite frankly, take that leap if I hadn't been saving this huge pile of cash on the side, kind of like an emergency fund and building these skills and building these businesses while I was in my day job. It was really, really crucial for me and probably for a lot of you listeners to like start to build that thing on the side. If you really want to escape Mm -hmm. that day job, if you don't like your nine to five, don't just quit cold turkey because then you unfortunately might end up crawling back to that nine to five because the side hustle or the business didn't work out. If you can like have some proof in the pudding while you're working that day job, even if it's not fully covering your expenses, like if your expenses are $4,000 a month and you have a side hustle that's doing $1,000 a month, at least you know that's a viable side hustle. You can probably scale it up if and when you quit that day job. But if you have made $0 on the side and you have this day job and you want to quit, that's probably not the best position to be in to take that leap. I love how you put it, proof of concept. You know, you have an income stream and it's sustainable. And so you can at least build from there. It's like building a runway. And of course, with personal finance, people automatically go to the number with the, the cash flow or maybe you're building that savings. But also you mentioned the skills. So when you're running your own side hustle, I didn't like years ago, I didn't appreciate it until I'm a cancer when I was starting my own business, there's a lot of other hats you have to put on. And those are different skill sets than just doing whatever skill you're trained for. I did operations management, but running a business, there's so many other hats you have to wear. And it's good to have that experience, get comfortable with it. Because if you're going to be doing this full time or this is your main source of income, you got to get comfortable with invoicing, getting clients and all that stuff that Maybe they don't always advertise when you see the whole passive income stream advertisements. You have a lot of great stories, and I know we need to wrap this up, but the past couple of years has been crazy. And financial independence, yes, can open up these opportunities, but more importantly, it's time with people around you. So for you, pursuing financial independence and freedom What have been some of the benefits? What have been some of the options you've had because you were able to kind of take that leap? I think it's exactly what you said. Having just the freedom and the flexibility, I know I mentioned this before, to do what you want, when you want, with whoever you want. Like I have been able to take amazing vacations. I'm in Hawaii for six weeks right now. I didn't have to ask a boss. I didn't have to take time off. I'm still getting work done. I'm not just like completely stepping away from the laptop. But I'm able to do this because I've kind of built this life for myself. I think that's a really crucial piece of all of this is being really intentional along the whole journey, not just when you hit the magic five number, all of a sudden you start going to the gym five days a week and you start meditating and you start learning Spanish and you start doing all these things that you like say you're going to do once you hit that five number. You need to start building that into your routine during the journey. If you're someone who's like halfway to financial independence, maybe your five number is a million and you have 500K in the stock market right now start to scale back a little bit at work. Like ask your boss, maybe you can start taking Fridays off. Maybe, you know, you can go in an hour late and maybe you can now carve out some time for the gym or carve out some time for that hobby that you've been saying for the past decade 
that you've been wanting to start. I think that's an, a problem that a lot of people have is like they kind of picture this end of the rainbow experience where they hit this financial independence number. All of a sudden, all of those aspirations that they've wanted for so long magically come true and they make the time to do all these things. But that's just really, quite frankly, not how it is. You have to start building these things that you want out of your life into your routine. If you want more time with your loved ones, start to slowly build that into your routine as you gain more freedom with each additional dollar that you save toward your financial independence goals. If you want to be healthier, start to you know build the gym into your routine as you get closer and closer to those financial independence goals. It's Again, it's not binary. It's not a zero and a one. It's a sliding scale. The closer and closer you get to financial independence, the closer that you can kind of craft this dream life and have more autonomy over your schedule, over the people you're spending your time with, over the activities you're doing. I urge anyone who's listening, like as I know you mentioned at the beginning, L, that you're yeah. like Coastify. I think that's like Coastify is, is amazing. It's like if you are at a point now where you don't have to save any more money, you already have enough investments in the stock market. By the time you're traditional retirement age, like you're going to be set up. Like maybe you work 10 years as an accountant, but you really don't like accounting and you want to be a zookeeper, but like a zookeeper only pays half of what an accountant pays. Maybe like halfway through that journey, you can quit that accounting job, become a zookeeper, take the 50% pay cut, but you're all set because you've already been building those healthy financial habits, building that financial runway that you just talked about for those years as an accountant. There's just so much more flexibility than people give themselves credit for like along this whole journey. And every single additional dollar that you save toward your financial independence goals gives you that much more flexibility, that much more autonomy toward building that dream life of yours. No, that was a really long-winded answer. I'll sorry for that. No. That was kind of how I thought about things. And like every single day, I just like started to map out. Like I literally wrote down like, what are the things that are most important to me and started to build my ideal days around those values that I wrote down. Again, yeah. long-winded, but hopefully that helps people with their financial independence framework. I think that really is the nugget because we've talked about cutting expenses, like one way to achieve faster. But I think the truth is you cut away the excess, the, the mm. things you don't really need or really want. One of the things I loved about the five path or financial freedom, however you want to label it, is that you're in a way you're forcing yourself to answer that question. What's my why? I interview different couples, families, and people about what their why is. And a lot of times it's around those loved ones. It's around a passion, some way to serve the community, whether that's like through a business, volunteering, you know, there's something greater than just hitting that number. I think that's something anybody, wherever they are in their financial journey can take away, which is define what matters and start making those changes. This segment is brought to you by Travel Freely. I know we have some travel hacking families in our community who love using the rewards for family vacations. And there are many who want to join them. However, it can be tough to sort through all the offers. This is where Travel Freely can help. It simplifies your search and makes it easy to find the best offers and deals that fit your family and how they spend. So you are maximizing your rewards. If you want to learn more on how to travel hack your next epic family trip, please go to simplifyandenjoy.com slash travel freely. Before we wrap up, I want to share a few key takeaways I picked up from preparing this episode and speaking with Cody. The first is your cash flow matters, 
a key skill you need to have with your finances, whether you're pursuing a traditional retirement or financial independence, is making sure you have that gap between what you earn and what you spend. At the beginning of your financial journey, that margin can help you build your emergency fund and knock out debts. Eventually, you can use that same margin to invest for retirement or other family and financial goals. The second is diversify your income. It's another way to give yourselves a bit of margin. If you're a two-income family, you have that built into there, but even a small side hustle can be helpful with knocking out your financial and family goals faster. Which leads to the third and final one. Not all side hustles are equal or the right fit for you. As Cody and I talked about, some side hustles are pretty much second jobs where you have to keep showing up and working to get paid. That may not work for your schedule. You might want to consider taking a skill that you have and creating something that you can sell either online or within your network. The point is, if you decide to go the side hustle route, and that is optional, make sure that it not just earned you a a bit of income, but that it is a good and sustainable fit for you. If you're looking for ideas on good paying side hustles, I'm going to share in the show notes my interview with Jen Smith about the different side hustles she tried out and used to give you a better picture of what might be the best fit for you. So if you want to get started with your journey, please join our community Besides getting updates on the podcast, I also share resources to make simplifying your money, home, and life easier. Just head over to simplifyandenjoy.com slash join. Special thanks to Cody for being a part of this episode. Please add The Fi Show to your podcast playlist. And if you're looking to start a side hustle online, you can work with Cody through Gold City Ventures. As always, I'll include links to those as well as other resources we mentioned today in the show notes over at simplifyandenjoy.com. Next week on the podcast, one skill that is important, whether you have a nine to five or you're entrepreneur or freelancer, is networking. That can be a challenge, especially after the past three or so years that we've had. In-person events may feel stressful, And you might feel like your skills are rusty. Michelle Jackson is going to be on to show you a sustainable and enjoyable way to get to know the people around you professionally and network better. So if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to the show. You don't want to miss out on that episode. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, wherever you get your podcasts. Our theme was by Staircases with additional music from various artists over at Audio. Finally, and most importantly, thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you not only listening, but sending in your questions and ideas for the podcast. Keep doing that. And thank you again for sharing your favorite episodes with your friends. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.